My first restaurant job in London was at Artuzzi in Peckham. Across the road, the general store sold Sally Clark's chocolate chip cookies. After my first bite, I was a devout fan. I brought a pack home to my parents, and my dad said, there's much more to this story. I'm Will Stewart, and you're listening to A Cook's Library. Sally Clark's footprint reaches far beyond the cookies. Clark's, her restaurant, celebrates its 37th anniversary this year. Sally's book of choice was obvious to her. Summer Cooking by Elizabeth David. Do you have any sort of first food memories from when you were younger? Yes, I definitely do. My mother um, is a is and was a good cook, but she was more interested in the garden and gardening and um, and growing her own things. Um, and that possibly is one of the reasons why I gravitated to the kitchen as early as I did, because um, she would hand me an Elizabeth David book and be told to get on with making lunch age 12, 13, 14, 16. And I think one of my earliest memories of something that she made for us, my two brothers and I, were lettuce sandwiches, which sounds quite revolting, but they were actually very delicious. It was it was very, very um, ordinary white sliced bread, but thickly buttered on both sides. And then um, hearts of lettuce scattered over the top and then she sprinkled it with um, I'm sorry to say white uh, refined sugar and then the top would be slammed on and cut into four and that would be our tea after school and they were absolutely delicious because they were buttery they were crunchy they were fresh because of the lettuce but where she got that idea it certainly wouldn't have been from elizabeth david but where she got the idea i have absolutely no idea but they were they were a big hit Mm. and i just i remember my third or fourth birthday maybe fifth i don't know when one's memory actually logs into play but um she bought my parents bought um uh, an ice cream cake for festivities and birthday and my birthday was was um uh, i had a, a pink over very very over decorated cake but it was an ice cream cake so it was layers of different colored ice creams and i'm sure it was nothing was real in it i'm sure it didn't have real cream i'm sure it didn't have real eggs in it but maybe it did but um i just remember the hit of sweetness and being so excited about this cake and i I haven't really forgotten it. So That's a good balance, I, I think. I think I, I think you tell most kids. <laughs> I think it's a balance to what we're going to move on to. Yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah, the counter talk. Most kids would love ice cream cake. Maybe not lettuce sandwiches. Um, I think you'd find me as I was a kid eating lots of ice cream cake. I would now love a lettuce sandwich. When I was younger, I think you'd have to put some persuading in me. Um, <laughs> um, so did you? I mean, so you were cooking from a young age, being forced to yes. give Elizabeth David books. When did you start working? Yes in restaurants. You went to culinary school, didn't you? I did, but I started working when I was 12 and a half in my school holidays. I was earning two and sixpence an hour in a local catering company, from literally from 12 and a half in summer holidays. I, I worked um, and absolutely loved it. I would make bechamel sauce um, for volavants one day and I would um, I would pick lettuce the next day and then I'd go off to um, uh, help serve at a wedding the next day and um, or be in the catering kitchen tent in the middle of a field somewhere and it was thrilling and I absolutely loved every every second of it. It's quite intoxicating isn't it? 
Yeah, it really was. The adrenaline rush was definitely there. And so you went to culinary school after that, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes. Um, After school, I went straight to college. I went to Croydon Technical College and um, did a two-year business course, which was geared to hotels and restaurants, really. Um, And there we learned everything from baking bread to making pastries to um, how to fillet fish, how to prep meat, um, but also a little bit about um, accountancy and um, uh, law relating to the hospitality industry, staff law and that sort of thing. So it was a little sort of sound bite of every facet that went into the industry really and it was an invaluable course. I loved every day of it. It was very, very basic but it was um, a really, really good foundation. And then you end up in Paris, don't you, after that? Yes, I um, I got to the end of my course in Croydon and I felt that I'd, I'd, I'd loved it and I'd learned everything um, really thoroughly, but I just didn't feel there was any particular finesse to the style of food that I was cooking. It was pretty basic. I mean, the first lesson was how to put a glacé cherry on half a grapefruit, um, for example, which I refused to do. I uh, I told them that I wanted to put a, a mint sprig on my grapefruit. Is that lesson literally cherry on the grapefruit? Literally, that was my first lesson at Croydon Technical right. College, yes. Buffet, buffet work. I mean, I'm sure there was some knack to how to prepare the grapefruit other than other than just cutting it in half. I'm sure we learnt how to segment it from the inside. But um, but the decoration was definitely a glacé cherry and I refused to do that. <laughs> but after that, I went to Paris to the Cordon Bleu School because I felt that I there I would learn um, a, a sort of refined version of cooking. And what I actually found out there was that my training at Croydon had been so fantastic and so detailed that there was really very little that um, that needed to be added on to that other than just years and years of experience and doing it yourself. Yeah. But what I did learn from being in Paris, of course, was the fact that I could walk through the streets and look in cafe and restaurant windows and read their menus and go to the markets. And every weekend when I wasn't at school, I was cooking with my um, college, my Cordon Bleu friends. Um, We'd go to the markets together, we'd cook together, we'd uh, prepare all day, all Saturdays we would be cooking and preparing Um, and then all Saturday evening would be um, six or ten or twelve or fourteen of us all sitting around a huge table eating um, a multi-course meal that we had prepared together. So it was the sort of the joy of food and the joy of the provenance of the ingredients, the the, um, getting to know different tastes and flavours of different foods. That was really what I I took away from being in Paris. Uh, Although the Cordon Bleu was fantastic and the teaching staff were very, very good um, and very professional. Um, It was the fact that I was in Paris and living Paris and breathing Paris that added layers upon layers of culinary knowledge really for me it's like the best stumping ground for a culinary student isn't it i mean i can't imagine as well at the time it's very different now. yes 
Yes, I, I actually the the course in um in in Paris was just a three month course, the advanced course that I did there. Uh, but I was loving Paris so much um, that I decided to take um, uh, commie chef roles. Sally stayed in France for about a year, working with different great chefs in Paris, brushing mushrooms and learning all there was to know about crabs and lobsters. When she moved back to London, she sent letters to a few food writers. Out of the blue, saying that I felt that I wanted to be a writer, and I knew all about cooking at that stage, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, um, and I got two very lovely responses. One um, from Prue Leith, who I ended up working with for a little while, and one from Elizabeth David. She actually telephoned me and um, said that if I wanted to be a writer, just start writing and you'll get things refused left, right and centre, but just keep at it. And and she was the most wonderful, encouraging, lovely, lovely person. Um, I I literally, I wrote a letter to her shop in Bourne Street in Pimlico because um, I didn't, I didn't know anyone who knew her. Um, but I couldn't believe that she, when my mother called up the stairs saying Elizabeth David is on the phone. I, <laughs> I, anyway, I, I thought, well, okay, I, I don't, perhaps I'm not quite ready to be a writer after all. But I, um, I went to meet Pruleith and she interviewed me and offered me a job as a, an assistant cook in her catering company. And then when her school opened, Leith School and Food and Wine um, on Notting Hill Gate, um, she invited me to be a teacher there um, with Caroline Waldegrave. And it was from there that I went to California because um, a lot of my friends in Paris had been American and one in particular, Michael McCarty, said always while we were studying together, he said, one day I'm going to open this fabulous restaurant in Southern California and you must come over and work in it with me. And um, so when I got that call, which must have been... 78 or 79 I think I I just dropped everything in London more or less and and flew out there and uh, and ended up staying five years working with him and his girlfriend now wife and um, working both front of house and back of house in the kitchen and at the door so was that a bit of a culture shock I imagine it was very different to Surrey more than anything I remember arriving at LAX in my thick woolly tights and a thick wool wool dress and um, I was picked up in Michael's open Mustang with his brother um, and I just felt more like a fish out of water than I'd ever ever felt Probably quite before. warm wasn't it? <laughs> it was very warm and um, driving down the 405 or wherever it was to um, hit the hit the Pacific Ocean. I'll never forget that moment. Mm. But um, but anyway, I thought, well, maybe I'll stay a few months here and see how it goes. But I ended up staying five years, and it was the first year was was very tough. But then I just fell in love with um, Southern California, and um, and at the same time, I um, was introduced to. Alice Waters, who was to become my mentor mm. and is is godmother to my son, Samuel. And um, everything sort of started to fit into place in a culinary sense. So you, did you work at Chez Panisse or was it... Never. It's never. No, I've, I've eaten there 
I should think, six or seven times a year since 79, 80, say since, since the early 80s. And it is still my touchstone. It's still, in my opinion, it's the best restaurant in the world and always has been. And I, when I'm when I'm cooking, when I'm working in the restaurant, uh, when I'm in the dining room, I always have Alice on my shoulder. Mm. Would Alice approve of this? Is this the way Alice would do this? Is this how the chefs at Chez Panisse would present this? Um, I have that stuck in the back of my mind. Yeah, I mean, Alice's Water's influence is everywhere. And I think I really like um, Samin Nosrat's book, Sort of Fat Acid Heat. And I think it's very. I think it's a good yes. way to sort of make Chez Panisse really understandable to a lot of people. I mean, the sort of the influence that she's had in such a short time is quite amazing. And I think it's probably due to the Netflix yeah, show. Yeah, ex- extraordinary. Mm. And it's stuff that's so obvious to us. The, the the idea of you need those four things and you make things delicious, and it's so simply put, and it's a really lovely book and really well illustrated, um, and is a great little textbook. But it's I feel like it's probably very true to what Chez Panisse does. And they, yeah. sure they all believe in yeah. it. So you then, and then after this, you come back to Nopen Clark's, don't you, in London? Yes, I came. I came back in '83, and I decided that I wanted to open my own restaurant and make my own mistakes. And and if it all was a failure, then it was all going to be my fault. But the main thing I wanted to do was to open a restaurant that would offer a menu that had absolutely no choice whatsoever that would change every night um, and would reflect only what was best and freshest in the market on the day. Just Um, like Chez Panisse. Just like Chez Panisse. But this was an idea that I'd had travelling through France um, as a very young teenager. And usually the sort of restaurants and hotels... Uh, pension that we would stay in would be the sort that would have just that the the uh, the madame or the monsieur in the kitchen the patron would be going to the market or picking whatever it was in their garden um, during the day and the menu that they would be serving to their guests and their um, their residents in the hotel would be that set menu mm. um, and it just made so much sense to me in those days and then when I first went to Chez Panisse in 79 just walking into the front room and reading the menu I I could not believe that this set menu with no choice was exactly what I had been thinking about. Um, to see Alice do this so beautifully and s- s- brilliantly, better than anybody else in the world has ever done, far better than we ever did, um, was breathtaking. It was. It just gelled all my ideas there and then on that first visit. Right. And so it's, it's quite nice to hear you say Elizabeth David throughout all this time we've been talking, and it seems like, you know, that she is a huge influence. And it's even, I mean... She very much was, yes, from very much from my beginning. I mean, even unpacking Elizabeth David in Britain is sort of, gets a bit complicated, doesn't it? Like my dad was saying, because he, you know, he grew up in, around the same time he grew up in Britain, and he was saying how, for the most part, it was quite austere and it was quite grey and 
dull were his words, not my yep. words. Um, yep, yep. People are very ready for this. And it was like, of course you'd want to read about figs. And I mean, even just the cover having like figs and cheese on it. I mean, that must be pretty amazing to someone who's coming out of rationing World War II England. Yes, exactly, exactly. And to, and just uh, just flicking through, uh, I mean, I, to be very honest, I haven't opened summer cooking for, I should think, 20 years. But just flicking through it, as I have done over the last week or two, um, it's all flooding back to me. And the fact that um, we I was reading Mediterranean food and French country cooking and Italian food all at the same time, it all floods back to me and I, I can hear her voice reading it. I'm, I mean, you hear so often people read recipe books as novels and it's so true when you when you look at an Elizabeth David book it's not like a recipe book at all it's it's got travel it's got sunshine bursting out in every page um, it's the art of the table as well it's it, um, breaking bread it's sharing platters of foods um it's not just a recipe book that you get when you're reading elizabeth david it's it's um it's so much more it's history it's um you know she was an academic clearly um and that's how she presented herself to to her oven to her saucepan to her knives to her chopping board mm. It's, it's probably quite amazing, isn't it, that, that that key was sort of been there your whole life, if anything. You know, when you would, you said you were given it when you were 12. And mm. however many years later, this is now still the one that you pick is like, that's the book. Well, um, it's, it's when you when you asked uh, for for a book, I mean, I could have easily chosen one of Alice's books or uh, MFK Fisher. I love her writing as well. And Julia Child and the Mastering the Art of Cook. Uh, cooking or mm. whatever however it's called um i i just i love those books but elizabeth david was um was really the the first cook writer that i that i really really latched on to and and i've got so many fond memories of um of working my way through these books in the beginning in the intro it says the suitability of certain foods to certain times of the year and the pleasure of eating the vegetables. And the pleasure of eating the vegetables, fruits, poultry, milk, meat or fish, which is in season, therefore at its best, most plentiful and cheapest. Yeah, says it all. I've marked it. You need no more selling point than that. You don't. You don't. And this is what I've been saying for, well, certainly a long time before I opened the restaurant. But this is what I say to my customers. This is what I say to my staff day in, day out. There is no point in putting a raspberry on a lemon tart in January. (laughs) (laughs) There is no point in serving asparagus in December. Just because you can get it, there is no point. Why? It's not appropriate. The... The flavours aren't appropriate. If if you can get the raspberry, if we can get the asparagus, it's not going to taste anything like the asparagus you pick from your back garden when it when the sunshine is on it and you just pop it into the pan or throw it on the grill or eat it raw or whatever. It's not going to have... So why? There is no point. And she says it right there. Yeah. I think one thing, you know, as I was reading about Elizabeth David over the years, there, there are some critics of her 
sort of confusingly so that will say she's the reason that we have bad tomatoes in every supermarket all over England. Which I would which I which I wouldn't obviously not blame her. I'm not blaming Elizabeth David for that fact. But I mean she's she's played an influence, hasn't she, in that? It's sort of like a double edged yes. sword almost. Yeah, yeah. She she would never have um encouraged um, anyone to buy tomatoes out of season. I mean, you, yes, the, the better tomatoes um, uh, in the year are the ones found at the end of the summer and the beginning of the autumn because yeah. they've got the, they've got the heat and the, but um, no, we can blame supermarkets for that. And it's our fault because we buy them. We, the population buys them. It's, I mean, I'm sure, like you said, I'm sure she would hate it. And I think I read towards the end of her life, she was getting very upset and stressed about people overdoing things and overplating things. Um, you, I mean, I, I'm sure you said you knew her. My then manager um, recognised her. I was in the kitchen downstairs and said, I think we've got Elizabeth David on table eight. And I couldn't believe it. I just raced up the stairs and told her the story that she telephoned me 10 or 15 years. Oh, so you had met uh, since before. then? Oh, no, not at all. Right. Not at all. No, no. The, the telephone call was uh, when I was 20, probably, um, 19, 20. So your mum tells you then and then your manager tells you after that. Yes, exactly. And she was absolutely charming. She was very, very lovely. And she did come back um, and back. So did you stay friends? And sort of, I'm, she, those were sort of like the later years of her life, weren't they? When, when... Yes, they were. Um, I can't remember when she died, but um, I remember going to her house to visit her um, towards the end of her life. Um, and she was, um, I remember she was in bed, um, perfectly alert and books piled up all around her on the bed, on the floor. And um, and I remember, um, I remember her kitchen in Halsey Street. And um, no, it's just wonderful, wonderful memories. And um, I remember going to her funeral, actually, with um, Jill Norman. And um, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was all very moving. It was lovely. Sally has a new book coming out soon. She told me all about it. Um, I started writing it about three three years ago, uh, maybe more, four or five years ago, with the idea that it would be the sort of book that Samuel would take um, to university with him to help him with his um, basic cooking skills and um, perhaps providing him with a few very simple, um, straightforward recipes to to get him on the road to um, to sustaining himself. But um, it's taken me this long to to get completed, and he's uh, and as a result, he's actually graduating <laughs> in a week or two. <laughs> so I've missed the boat for that. But um, I don't I don't think I'll tell you the the title of it yet but it's just a a lovely sort of basic book with very simple recipes inexpensive um, ingredients in the main 
and each chapter has a selection of dishes, either spring and summer or autumn and winter dishes. So there's a, there's a, a few hints on how to chop herbs and how to dice an onion and how to prepare basic, do basic vegetable preparation. Um, how to wash up is one chapter. Anyway, it's been fun to write and uh, it's been photographed rather beautifully by someone called Lizzie Mason. And um, you know, I think I think it'll be a nice book too. But my third and last, I keep saying, this will be the last book. Thanks for listening. Clark's Restaurant is reopening for indoor dining on May 17th. The bakery and two shops have been going strong for all your chocolate chip cookie needs. If you're on Spotify, follow. If on Apple, subscribe and leave a review. Helps other people find the show. Follow me on Instagram at A Cook's Library. Thanks again. Keep cooking and keep eating.